This is Arkansas's Morning Show. Brandon Baxter in the morning on the big 107.9 K-Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Dr. Shane Spites. He is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State. He's become the regional and really the statewide expert on COVID in Arkansas. And Shane, I just said this on the air as we were kind of teasing you coming on. Um, really, I'm not calling you Nostradamus, but literally, if you go back for the last year and a half and listen to what we've talked to you about, you've been able to predict what was going to happen in Arkansas because of the data, because of the team that you have at the NYIT College. And you predicted the Delta variant was going to be messy, and man, that's right. Well, and and I obviously wouldn't take any of that take any of that credit. I appreciate you saying that, but um, uh, unfortunately, you know what we were hoping would not happen is certain is is unfolding, um, and it's it, obviously not just me. You know, uh, UAMS has models out. We we pull data from everywhere and look at that. But uh, we are lucky to have have a great team at NYIT that has insight into this, has experience in this contacts all over the country and even all over the world, um, you know, who've been seeing this Delta variant roll out. And unfortunately, we're seeing that happen here in our state. Let's talk about the numbers in Arkansas, because, you know, I've seen uh, major network news stationed in Arkansas because the numbers are making headlines. Our state didn't have as many people vaccinated. And that was kind of the fear going in that we were one of the least vaccinated states. And all of a sudden, when you look at that, the states that are hit the hardest by the Delta variant are the ones that have less vaccinations. And to be honest with you, that didn't that didn't take any crystal ball, uh, Brandon. It really didn't. That was just that. Some of this just boils down to this is the way the science works. A disease is going to spread more rapidly for individuals who are more um, apt to and were more exposed to get it or more likely to get it and are not protected and. Vaccines we know uh, protect populations, you know, for specific diseases, and this is an this is an example of how that plays out. Um, you're exactly right. Here, gosh, just a month, just two months ago, we were hitting only about 150 cases a day in Arkansas. Right. So we were bumping along, low number of cases, minimal hospitalizations, very few deaths. But I mean, 150 cases a day, and now yesterday we hit 1,800 cases in the state. God. We're averaging 1,200 cases a day, um, just just in this short time period. There's no signs of it showing up. We're on an accelerated upward curve, just because of how this virus spreads and how it's so much more contagious mm-hmm. than uh, than the original variant or the original strain of COVID that we saw. Um, things that I was hoping we wouldn't see. We are seeing, um, even in terms of, you know, recommendations now that individuals that are fully vaccinated should be masking. Um, So we're certainly in a different scenario uh, than we were just a month or two months ago. I wanted to ask you about that because we have a family member who received both doses of the vaccine, fully vaccinated, who went off to vacation in Florida. um, And when he got back home, uh, they realized that he had tested positive for COVID. I get that we go out and we get the vaccine and like any vaccine, it's not 100%, you know, for sure it's going to keep you from getting sick, but the numbers, the efficacy numbers were pretty high. Um, is this variant just um, a stronger variant that's going to cause more problems for the vaccine or is it merely just a matter of numbers that it doesn't work on everybody all the time? So a couple of things there, and that's a great question. One of the things that, that the listeners need to remember, when we talk about a vaccine, when vaccines are produced, the main reason uh, the vaccine is produced is to reduce hospitalizations and deaths. 
That's what we want. So we don't want people to end up in the hospital. We don't want people in the ventilator. We don't want people to die from it. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you create vaccines, that's the big thing that you have in mind. And I want to be clear, the vaccines, certainly the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, um, show great efficacy to to not have. So even if you're vaccinated and you get sick, the chance of you being hospitalized or even dying from this is extremely low. Like the efficacy is upwards of 90 plus percent uh, that that won't happen. Now, you're right. It's not 100 mm-hmm. percent. But we know what's going to happen if you're not vaccinated at all uh, and what your chances are of that. And that's extremely high in terms of hospitalizations. And that's what we're seeing here in the state of Arkansas. That's what we're seeing here in Jonesboro. Um, I've um, in contact with hospitals in our area. They're reopening their COVID units. They're seeing 30 something year olds being admitted to the hospital, uh, which is a different age group than mm-hmm. we saw with the original strain just a year ago. I wanted to ask you about that, too, because I have seen some of the data that talks about it affecting younger people or typically when it affects the younger people, 30s, 40s, 50s. When you see it in that age group, is it the majority of the case going to be somebody who's not vaccinated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's what we're seeing. And that's not just true in Arkansas. That's true across the country. The numbers of hospitalizations um, that we're seeing are unvaccinated people, probably 95 plus percent of the people that are being hospitalized are unvaccinated. So that's exactly right. And then this one we talked about last week, this strain is more transmissible, which means that if somebody has it and you're exposed to it, the chances of you getting it is much more likely. Yet there's still people out there who don't want to get vaccinated. Well, and, and that's the big thing. You're exactly right. And I, and I mentioned this um, the last time we spoke, but I think I think it bears you know mentioning it again. The original COVID strain. If I was sick with COVID, I would probably infect two or three people. If I'm sick with this Delta variant, I'm probably going to infect six to eight people. That's a huge uptick. That's a huge number of people now that can be infected, and it it actually shows what we're seeing, which is the the significant spike in the number of infections we're seeing. Now, here's the thing, too. In a low vaccination area, an area where there aren't that many people vaccinated, those that are vaccinated have an even higher risk of becoming infected just because you're bumping into people during the day that could be infected with with COVID and you, you don't know it. In a high vaccination area, your chance of running into somebody that's sick is much lower, right. and therefore your protection is actually more. And so it, it does matter the area that you're in in terms of the vaccination rate, even if you're vaccinated. Yes. And that's why we talk about, that's why the, the recommendations are kind of backing up in terms of, hey, even those of you that are vaccinated, you probably need to be masking now in public. God, so crazy. So really, we're, those of us who went out and got fully vaccinated, we're, we're still at the mercy of the people who are unvaccinated. And that's crazy for me to think about. So if, if we think about this and we think about what we've seen, uh, one of the questions early on after the vaccines, all of the vaccines that were released, was about asymptomatic spread, right? So let's say that uh, I don't feel the effects of COVID, the Delta variant, but somehow it's it's in my body or something like that. Are we seeing that if we're not symptomatic, we can still spread that? What do the what does the data show on that at this point? So the data is still kind of sketchy on that. So what we're seeing, if you get sick with the with the Delta variant and you're fully vaccinated, you can still spread it for sure. Okay. We're not quite sure because it's still early. We're not quite sure about how much asymptomatic spread occurs, which is what you're asking about. Right. I feel fine. I feel okay. I don't even know that I'm sick, but I can still spread it. Because you're starting to talk about viral loads or the amount of virus you actually have in your body that would generate symptoms. Hey, I got a runny nose. I got a sore throat. And then obviously you're passing it on. And I think that's another good point too, that people need to recognize. 
because this is a different strain of COVID, the symptoms are a little different. So this may not be the same same set of symptoms we saw last year when everybody said, oh, yeah, I lost my taste of my sense of taste or my sense of smell. We're not seeing a lot of that in the Delta variant. Actually, in the Delta variant, what we're seeing is a presentation of sore throat, sometimes severe sore throat, um, runny nose, headache. Um, we're not seeing a lot of cough, though it can happen. Abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, that goes along with this Delta variant. And some people say, well, you know, why does it do that? Well, that's not unlike other viruses, like, we've got, like the flu virus does that. Flu A is more of a cough, upper respiratory. Flu B is more of a GI, kind of a stomach, but they're both influenza. And so the, this uh, COVID is actually the, the Delta variant itself is kind of flipped over in terms of the symptoms we're seeing as well. Dr. Shane Spites joins us this morning talking COVID in Arkansas. So if, if we know that this is more transmissible, if we know this variant is more transmissible, um, and we're basically recommending, hey, maybe you should put your mask back on even if you're fully vaccinated, what are we going to do as a state? Because if we should be doing it, nobody wants to wear them. Let's just be honest. Even if we are wearing them, most, of us, most of us don't want to wear them. How as a state are we going to operate and how can we move forward if, if we can't tell people, hey, you have to wear it because we still know most people aren't going to wear them if they don't have to? Well, and that's, you know, and, and I, again, I hate to be a predictor. That, that's not going to play out well. It's just not. This is, this is one of those scenarios where we all got to kind of be rowing in the same direction. Right. And if we're not rowing in the same direction, we're not going to get anywhere. Um, and I think a good example of this, and you kind of are starting to touch on it already, you know, we're about a month away from starting school back. Yep. And there's not a vaccine available for kids under the age of 12. Mm-hmm. And so those kids are going to, 20, 25, 26 kids are going to cram into a classroom here in about a month that aren't vaccinated and aren't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, and that we, with, a, with a variant that we know passes much more quickly and spreads is much more contagious amongst kids. It's not that it, it's not that it affects kids any worse. And I want to be clear about that. We have not found any data that shows that the virus itself affects kids in a more severe way. Right. It's just that more kids are going to get infected just because of how contagious it is. And so you're going to see more spread amongst schools, school districts, and groups of individuals. So you mentioned, and I want to go real deep into this because there's going to be a lot of parents who are listening this morning and who listen to the podcast. Uh, you mentioned it's not hitting kids worse. Are we seeing children hospitalized in Arkansas? Because I have seen that nationally that, and I know sometimes oh, yeah. sometimes that can be just, uh, you know, oh, it's it's one of those freak things, but it makes a headline because it's rare and it's a kid. Are we seeing that in Arkansas or are kids still able, even though they get it, are they more resilient? No, there's, there's been a significant increase in hospitalizations at Children's Hospital in Little Rock. Our, our, um, really, uh, we have two Children's Hospitals, one in Little Rock and one in Northwest Arkansas, and the one in Little Rock has seen a significant increase um, in hospitalizations of pediatric patients. Uh, and we can expect that to continue. And again, uh, I do want to be clear because it gets confusing. It's not that it's attacking kids preferentially. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's so rapidly spreading and it's so contagious that they're getting sick. And just by the pure numbers, they're going to end. You're going to have a certain percentage of them end up in the hospital. And so that's just it, it's it's just it's almost a numbers thing. It's just a it's a pure volume thing in terms of the amount of people that are getting sick. And again, you can't, they can't be vaccinated. So there's no way to protect them. And right. like you said, nobody's wearing masks. Right. And so the, the virus is pretty much just being spread unchecked in those areas. So let's go even deeper on a kid who ends up in the hospital. Do we know what percentage uh, of the children who end up with uh, some strain of COVID are hospitalized at this point? Is there data on that? So the numbers are still, I think, in, in terms of the type of 
illness that it causes in a child, the numbers are still low in terms of that does it create severe disease. Okay. So kids, for the most part, because they got you know brand new immune systems. So by and large, kids um, you know do okay with it. And so, but what's going to happen is you're going to find these kids. And this was this is what I think is we we've not figured this out yet. I'm gonna let me go back and I'm gonna go back to a study that was gosh, this study's probably eight months ago. They had these two brothers, it's off in the Netherlands, these two brothers in their 20s in the Netherlands, and both of them got COVID, and it was the original strain, and they were normally healthy, no issues at all. They both got COVID. One of them ended up in the ICU, the other one ended up uh, dying from it. And so the question was, why did these two normally healthy 20-something-year-old brothers get COVID and, and basically die or have severe disease when most everybody else that age does okay? What they found was they did a deep dive in their genetic code, and they found that in their genetic code, they were missing a certain protein for their immune system that they'd never known about. And they never would have known about had they not gotten infected with this virus. So my concern is, is that you're going to have kids get sick, and you're going to have kids that would seem otherwise normal and healthy, but there's probably something else going on that was just never uncovered. Um, Obviously, kids that have underlying disorders are going to be at a higher risk. So any kid really with with most any diagnosis at all, is going to be an, an elevated risk of COVID. But you're going to have some that are going to surprise you, some that are going to say, hey, this kid seemed like normal, healthy, you know, cheerleader, soccer player, whatever, whatever it may be, and they end up hospitalized, and that's going to really uh, catch people's attention. But don't be surprised when that happens. Yeah, but here's my deal. And I have a son who's 11, turns 12 in September. He can't get the vaccine at the point where this is affecting children more often. Uh, to me, I'm like, oh, it doesn't even seem fair, you know, because we want to keep him safe. And the worst thing a parent can ever think about is their kid having to be hospitalized with something like this. Is there going to come a point quickly where we can get kids under 12 vaccinated or are we still months away from that? So right now, the most recent information that I've seen is that Pfizer, they're the kind of the ones the leading the leading the effort right now. Pfizer expects to have their data out in August or early September, they're hoping to get FDA um, emergency use authorization (EUA) in September to be able to start rolling out the the uh, vaccine. Then, so the current information I have is that the soonest the vaccine will be available for those, and I think they're testing down to age five, okay. and so it'll be between ages five to twelve that that would be available in September. That's the current information I have, and we're obviously still watching that. And, I mean, you can't speed this thing up, though. You can't make it go any faster because you want to go through all the safety uh, protocols and, and procedures that are required. What do you say to a parent of, let's say it's somebody who's 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. It's a parent who's sketchy on the vaccine. Maybe they're not vaccinated. They don't know if they want their kid to be vaccinated because they've seen one of those uh, rare studies where you know, a kid has been affected by the vaccine. What do you say to them as we head into the school year? Because there's going to be a lot of people who are going, oh, I'm not I'm not getting my kid vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. My kid doesn't need to be. But yet here we are saying, no, kids are being affected by this, and more and more kids are getting it. More and more kids are being hospitalized than ever before. But there's still going to be people who say, no, my kid's not getting the vaccine. What do you say to them? So first of all, the CDC just put out guidance last week that any child a uh, school-aged child, two and older, should be wearing a mask when they're in when they're in class if they're because they're because they can't be vaccinated. For those that can be vaccinated, look, I get it. There's a lot of myths, there's a lot of misconceptions, and there's a lot of you know just to be honestly untruths out there. Now, are there risks with the vaccine? Of course, there are. There's risk with everything. There's risk with herbals and vitamins and medications and any treatments that we have. Um, and I'm actually going to try to put out. I've been working on it for a while now. I'm going to try to put out a 
a Facebook post actually on the most common vaccine myths, and I did a deep dive in a lot of this, and so it gets kind of technical on the science side, but I think you have to. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the risk versus benefit for kids, and the American Academy of Pediatrics says this as well as the CDC, the benefits far outweigh the risks. And I think what the take-home has been for me when you think about it, we're, we're still seeing and still taking care of patients who got COVID last October mm-hmm. that still haven't fully recovered or still have some sort of long-term outcome that we're not sure why. Right. I've got young adults in the, uh, in, in the college-age setting that still have liver damage that had no underlying disorder at all and still manage them have obviously individuals that are still dealing with fatigue eight and 10 months after. So this is just, it's a bad virus. It really is. And I think the conversation really needs to be for those, for those parents that are truly concerned about the actual vaccine. Like, look, I, I want to protect my kid, but I'm worried about it. You know, sit down with your pediatrician, sit down with your physician, your family doctor, and just have that honest conversation, you know, cause every kid is different. So it may be that, that the doctor says, hey, let's, you know, let's do this or let's do that or here's the best way to do it. Or maybe you should be virtual, you know, for the first six weeks, you know, until the vaccine's available or, or you know, let's play this out. Whatever it is, there may be some sort of, of uh, conversation needs to happen with the physician. But a lot of times the one-on-one conversations are the best because I find that if you try to find the answer on the Internet, you'll just get lost and you'll end up in a, in a place you never, never intended to be. I'll tell you something I told my wife last night, and this is, uh, this is in many ways bragging on you and your team and the other people who study this every day. Not every doctor studies this like you do. Not every doctor sees all the data and dissects the data. And I think that's where I was like, I wish everybody had the access. And that's why we go so deep into these conversations with you on the air is because not every doctor is going to be as knowledgeable on this because they have so many other things that they're doing. Uh, and, and you have the data and you study it every day. Man, and, and I, I, you're exactly right, because I want to be clear, because my colleagues are working their tails off in the hospital and in the clinics and in the ORs, and, and I was there. I mean, I, you know, I, when I was working you know, full-time as a hospitalist um, you know, and working 12-hour shifts, I couldn't come home and spend six hours you know, reading some research study right. or going back through the, you know, the physiology of DNA and RNA. Fortunately, you know, I have that time now as part of my job, and I have a, a, I have a team, you know, that have studied SARS and have researched it, and I've got my, you know, immunologists and microbiologists at my fingertips, so to speak, that I can call and say, hey, I don't understand this. Explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm very fortunate in that regard. But you're right. As an actively practicing physician, they just don't have that kind of time because right. they're so busy seeing patients. And see, that's where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where the information is so important. That's why I want everybody to hear this show and the podcast. And, you know, we want to get as much real information, hard data out there as we can. A couple more quick things, because I know, you know, you're busy again. Dr. Shane Spites joins us this morning. Uh, Leslie's grandmother recovering from COVID. You've been a part of uh, following her story and helping us through that uh, ever since Thanksgiving. Uh, she's up able to to walk through the house now, but at, at her age, you know, she's concerned, even though she had COVID, she's concerned about the vaccine because there are uh, some people who would, would, would tell her, oh my gosh, if you've already had it and you're uh, in your upper seventies, the chance of you having some type of reaction to the vaccine is greater. What do you say to somebody who's maybe has a family member going through that like we do? So a couple things. Number one, uh, we've now we've, we've we're looking for real time data, or, or excuse me, like real like um, uh, real live data. We don't have that yet because we're still in the middle of this. But we've got a study that just came out that talked about your uh, your protection if you had COVID the first time. 
and you do have some protection. Like you do have some antibodies, obviously, some of those memory cells that, that would help protect you from the Delta variant. The protection's not as good as being vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So when they studied it, they found, you know, that yes, you do have some uh, immune response, which is good, but it's not as high as you would expect or not as, not as high as it would be if you got vaccinated. And the reason why is because the vaccines, they cover so much more of the spike protein. And they, when you got sick with COVID, you got sick with that strain of COVID. Right. The spike protein, you know, the, the vaccines actually have broader coverage. And so we still recommend right now, even individuals that have gotten COVID in the past, that they get vaccinated for that immune boost. Because pretty much across the board, we're seeing, even though the vaccines cover for it, the vaccine efficacy against the Delta variant is lower across the board for everybody. And so to, to reduce your chance of being hospitalized, to being on the ventilator in the ICU, that's why we recommend the vaccination. Um, and sometimes some studies, it only for those that have had COVID, they only recommend, you know, one dose of the vaccine. But that's a conversation you should have with your physician, too, because I think there's debate back and forth on that as well. Um, but there, we are seeing studies on people that have had COVID. There is protection. It's not as much as if you were fully vaccinated. Um, certainly for someone, one thing you need, one thing you need to know, someone that are that is older, mm-hmm. the people that are getting breakthrough infections seem to be older. They seem to be older, and they seem to be um, and individuals that were vaccinated. They were vaccinated maybe you know, back last January or so. So when we look at breakthrough infections or people that have gotten infected, it does seem to be older individuals. And that's not surprising. The reason why is because your antibodies, as you're older, they actually go away quicker. So for somebody that's younger, your antibodies will stick around a lot longer than somebody who's older. And that's not new either. We knew this. This is when we do our flu vaccines, there's actually a senior dose of the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's actually a higher dose. And the reason why is because you want a a bigger, stronger immune response because our senior citizens, their immunity wanes quicker than, than other people. Does that make sense? No, it does. So if I were to say to you personally, it's just me and you talking here. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's just people kind of peeking in, listening in on the conversation. If I were to say, hey, yeah. sh- should Mima go and get vaccinated? You know what her story's been. She got home. For, yeah. She was on the ventilator. When she got home, she was barely able to hold a piece of paper. She's just now able to walk again. She's scared of the vaccine because she's scared of any effects of it. Would you tell me she needs the vaccine? Yeah, she needs to be vaccinated. Now, we might have a conversation on which vaccine she gets okay. uh, in terms of, you know, just to kind of belay those fears and and we would we would have a we would have a deeper conversation in terms of okay tell me what medication she's on let's go back through some of her medical history I'd do a deep dive in terms of you know family history and so we talk I'd want to know everything there is to know about her before we made that decision and that way we make an educated decision in terms of look this is the best course of action for her based on everything that we know I want to do uh, just a real quick thing as we wrap up. I want let's go one through ten on a scale of one through ten. One being least risk, ten being the highest risk. I want to give you a couple of quick topics. You tell me what you think the risk level is. Okay. Okay. Summer travel. To where? Uh, Florida. A lot of people go to Florida. People go to the beach. Florida. You're going to Gulf Shores. What do you think about that? Seven. Wow. Uh, do you think at that point people should reconsider because we had plans to go to uh, Panama City Beach? We had my wife was all excited about it. Now she's telling me once we look at the data that she's a little less sure. What do you think about that? So here's here's what caught my attention. I don't remember. Did I tell you guys about that the wedding um, yeah. uh, scenario that happened last? That caught my attention probably more than any study that I've seen recently in terms of the spread of the Delta variant. That was a scenario in Houston, Texas 
where everybody there was fully vaccinated, fully mm-hmm. vaccinated with Moderna or Pfizer, and it was an outdoor wedding, and people still got sick. Yeah. That is completely contrary to what we would have thought with the original strain of COVID, you know, a year ago. If you'd have told me that, you know, three months ago, I'd have said, no, nah, Brandon, you're good, man. Yeah. You're fully vaccinated. You're going to be outside. You are golden. That's just not the case now, and so that's it, which is really surprising. That case study really, really caught my attention, um, and so I'm more concerned now than I was previously about even outdoor events. Uh, really, any group setting, you're going to put yourself at risk. So if you're going to Florida, you're renting a house, it's just you and your family taking groceries with you. You're hanging out at the beach. You're not going out to eat. You're not going into any, you know, uh, into any areas where there's going to be large gatherings. Yeah, you're probably okay. Yeah. Um, because again, it's about your it's about your risk of spread being around uh, other groups of people. So let's go back on that. Let's say that we did go to Florida and we stayed because we had kind of a plan with a hotel resort. On a scale of one to ten, what's the risk factor? Hotel resort. Yeah, hotel resort's going to be up there because you got I me. Mean, you're going through the that's going to be the seven because you're going to be uh, or eight because you're going to be. I mean that you're going to be eating through the food line. You're going to be staying, you know, in common areas. We know that COVID is airborne. That was something we found out about halfway through the surge last year. And what I mean by that is, you know, we worried about the whole six foot thing, mm-hmm. um, which is, is still important. But we know that it's airborne, which means it can go from room to room. So if you're if you're sharing the same common airspace as somebody else, like in a dining area or something like that, or even the lobby, you have a risk of infection. Outdoor activities, theme parks, concerts, scale of one to ten. Concerts are going to be, you know, that's going to be a seven. Um, theme park again. This is going to be how many people are you around? I mean, if you t- if you tell me that you're going fishing on the spring lake and just you and your family, I'm going to say yeah, one. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're going to, you know, so it, it, it's about your your proximity to other people, and unfortunately now um, with some of this new data being outside. Um, you know, it, it doesn't lower it as much as we as we'd like for it to be. So you're still going to be a six or a seven. I mean, I'm looking at you know just speaking specifically because you know like we'll we'll talk baseball, we'll talk wrestling, we'll talk uh, outdoor concerts that we've seen so far. We're seeing twenty thousand people together again. Most of them not wearing masks. And you know, a month ago it didn't yeah. seem like a big deal. And that's when they started booking these events. And all of a sudden, you know, it looks like a different game here. Uh, yeah, what do you, what no, do you think you're, about you're exactly? And it, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, going into a restaurant. Uh, well, going into a restaurant now, I would say it's probably a nine, eight or a nine. Um, it, nobody's wearing masks in restaurants, yep. um, and they're and they're all they're all full capacity, um, and so they just you know certainly in this area. So you've got a. I mean, I'll just I'll give you the scenario. We're about twenty eight percent vaccinated in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that there's, and we're seeing rapid spread uh, throughout the community and throughout the state. Um, hospitalizations are up. We're hearing, we're seeing more breakthrough infections than we expected because of low vaccination rate. And so putting people in a room together, you know, 30, 40 people in a room together, un- unmasked and not knowing what percent are vaccinated uh, or the likelihood is that, uh, that 70% are not vaccinated, mm. that's going to be a risky situation. Uh, we talked grocery stores before, larger stores, and you mentioned uh, early in this that you, know, you didn't see that there was a huge risk there because it was such a large space. Has that changed now? Or are we looking at a one, do a 10 on that scale too? 
Yeah, so that changed too. That's still, I mean, that's still probably that's probably a five or a six still. Wow. Before, with the original COVID, it would have been more like a three, like right. a. Uh, I mean, it would have been low because you're right because the amount of time that you spend, like just walking past somebody, not a big deal. Well, again, this goes back to it's the amount of virus that person has, and it's almost a thousand times more virus that these people that have the Delta variant have. So they're again much more contagious. So it's not that if they breathe, a little bit of the viral particles come out. A lot of the virus comes out now, and so there's more chance to infect somebody, even if you're passing them in the uh, in the grocery store. And that's why you're hearing more about even vaccinated individuals probably need to be mask- wearing masks in public. <clears throat> Man, so much data, so much information. And we appreciate all of the time. We know we get, went um, extra long today, but again, this is going to be a standalone podcast too. So if you only caught a little bit of it, maybe you came to your car late or you turned on your radio late, you can go back and listen to our full chat with Dr. Shane Spite. He is the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University. And Shane, I think as we go through this, man, if you're willing to talk to us even once a week, the data changes so quickly that I think it's it's really important for us to be on top of this. No, it really does. I mean, I just there's new stuff I just saw this morning just when I logged on. So um, it, it's it's coming pretty rapidly now. And I, gosh, no one hates to see this more than me. I was, I mean, man, I thought we were on a, I thought we were on the trajectory. I thought we were doing so well, and then literally. It's almost like overnight this just hit us, and we're this is where we are is in the middle of it again. So, yeah, happy to do it, though. We appreciate it. Dr. Shane Spites joins us this morning, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Go, go. Be careful. All right, you too, man. Arkansas's morning show is Brandon Baxter in the morning.